Welcome to Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's podcast. We'd love to worship with you today. Well, who's ready to do some fishing? It is good to see you. It's good to be back. Certainly, uh, it's good that our family is uh, feeling better. I would say probably back to maybe about 85% of what we normally might be. I may have to uh, grip the pulpit a little bit this morning. But um, I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for all of your support, the way in which you have been lifting up our family over these past few weeks as we have been battling COVID. I also want to thank our church staff for the way in which they have stepped up and stepped into uh, a really difficult situation. Would you at least pause and thank Pastor Andrew for the past few weeks stepping in and uh, participating and helping... Um, It is so good to have a co-laborer in Christ who is so willing and able to step up in the way in which God has been placing some things on his heart over these past couple of weeks to share with our congregation. I'm so appreciative of him and of our entire church staff. It's allowed us to put off for a couple of weeks a new sermon series that we are uh, starting together today. And so as you can uh, tell by the way in which I'm dressed, this idea of uh, starting a series in which we talk about what does it mean for us to be a people who are on mission You know, I I have to say that growing up, I was not somebody who loved fishing all that much. Uh, Fish stink, they are slimy, they are gross, Uh, and then you think about what you have to do in order to catch them. You've got worms or cricket or shrimp, and you think about the way in which they're jumping around a bucket or slimy, you have to set a hook. And then you go on out, and if you're anything like me, your line seems to get pretty tangled up pretty easily. And if you have kids and you go fishing, you know you spend more time walking up and down the shoreline, making sure their hook is baited, making sure that their lines aren't getting tangled, helping them cast, than you get to do any fishing at all. And so I can remember fishing tournaments where I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to be able to do this. And you spend your entire time just going up and down the shoreline, helping your kids get all set up. I have to say, fishing wasn't necessarily all that much fun. Uh, Maybe for some of you, you don't like the water because you don't like, oh, thanks. You don't like the boats. You don't like the, the waves and the rockiness of it all. I have to say, it it took us moving to Florida before I finally really started enjoying fishing. Uh, We would go freshwater fishing. There were ponds all around us. And because it's always warm, the bass get really big. 
And so it would be so awesome to be able to go out and go fishing. In fact, one of our men's small groups, we would go out and we'd fish in somebody's backyard for an hour before we finally hit up our Bible study. And then the saltwater fishing was awesome. I mean, things like you could go tarpon fishing and flounder fishing. And then our son Gabe, I think at one point, he caught a puffer fish. You know, I mean, it was something that was so much fun. We were by the Mayaka River, and there were guys that would go down into the river, and they would net fish for tilapia, and they'd sell them, like, right there by the riverbanks. What was always crazy to me is because Mayaka is also, like, where, like, there's 10-foot gators, and so there would be people net fishing there in the shore, and there's like 10-foot gators not that far away from them. I'm like thinking to myself, this is absolutely crazy. Now, before you think that this is a sermon series and a sermon that is all about fishing, I want to be clear that in what we're going to be talking about together over the course of the next four weeks together is not about actual fishing poles. It's not about actual net fishing and things like that. What we're talking about is how you and I are called to be a people who are on mission, who are sharing our faith with other people. This is more than just a rah-rah series about, yeah, let's get out there, let's storm the gates, let's go and change our community without giving you the tools. And so what I pray over the course of these next four weeks together is that you're going to find tangible ways in which you can begin to share your faith. Otherwise, we might end up with what is known as this modern-day parable. Now, it came to pass that there was a group that existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes and filled with fish. And the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, year after year, those who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish, the abundance of fish, and how they might go about fishing. Year after year, they carefully defined what fishing means. They defended fishing as an occupation and declared that fishing is always to be the primary task of fishermen. They continually searched for new and better methods of fishing. They created witty slogans, and they displayed them on big, beautiful banners. These fishermen built large buildings that they called fishing headquarters. Their plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish. One thing they didn't do, however, they didn't fish. Large, elaborate, and expensive training centers were built whose original and primary purpose was to teach fishermen how to fish. Over the years, courses were offered on the needs of fish, the nature of fish, where to find fish, the psychological reactions of fish, and how to approach and feed fish. Those who taught fishology had their doctorates in it. But the teachers didn't fish. 
they only taught fishing. Year after year of tedious training, many fishermen graduated from these institutions and were giving fishing licenses. They were commissioned and ordained and sent to fish in far off and near places, many in full-time capacities. But like the fishermen back home, they never fished. Imagine how hurt and surprised they were when one day someone suggested that those who don't really fish aren't really fishermen, no matter how much they claim to be. And yet it does sound correct. Is a person a fisherman if year after year fishes? Is one really following if he isn't fishing? You know, that is a modern-day parable of something that we see playing out in churches all around our country and in many ways all around the world. And beloved people, I don't want to be a church that is simply talking about sharing our faith with other people and then we're not actually doing it. I want to see Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church as a place where people can come, where they can learn about their faith in Jesus Christ, where then they can go and share their faith boldly. What I also don't want to see happening is people simply joining our church because we tell better fish stories than other churches. See, what so often happens is Christians just simply move around from one church to the next church. And what we don't want to see happening is people who are already in the boat getting out of another church's boat and into our church's boat. What we want to see happening is people who have never heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ coming to know him and then choosing to say, I want to get in the boat, I want to be a follower, and I want to share my faith with other people. Beloved people, I would pray that over the course of these next four weeks together that we would be determined as a church to say, God, you have placed this call on me and I want to make sure that I am sharing my faith with other people. What we want to see happen is people who are disconnected from Christ becoming connected to Christ. Now here's the thing, the main idea, the big point for the day, if you have the ability to only remember who willing to leave behind in order to follow Jesus in this call to fish. What are you willing to leave behind in this desire, this call to follow Jesus, to go and to fish? Because you and I have to be able to define and to decide what is it I'm willing to leave behind. Because when Jesus gave us the great commission, it is not the great suggestion. It's not just something that we do only if we feel like it. It's not just something that we do only if it's convenient. It's not just something that we say, we hang a sign outside and we say, hey, come and see. Come and see what we're doing at Presby. This is about us going 
and being. We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and in our world. Now the question is, how do we do that? How do you and I go and begin to share our faith together? Where do we start? Well, we start by looking at what God has called and said for us. And we do that when we look at a a gospel passage like Luke chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles handy, I want to invite you to open them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, we're going to be spending some time together in Luke chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 11. Of course, you're going to be able to follow along on the screen behind me. Maybe if you don't have a Bible, you've got an app. Make sure you put that app, a Bible app, on your phone. Let me give you just a little bit of background so you understand the context of what we're about to read together. One of the things you have to understand is that In our passage that we're about to read, this is probably not the first time that Simon Peter, James, John, and Andrew have met Jesus. The Gospel of John tells us that Peter has actually been introduced to Jesus by his brother Andrew. And in the previous chapter, Luke chapter 4, in verses 38 to 39, what we find is that Jesus has actually healed Peter's mother-in-law from a high fever. So the reason I say that is because we have to understand there was probably some level of relationship. Uh, Peter, James, and John, they at least knew about Jesus, but it was probably more of a cordial relationship. You can imagine maybe them, them being interested in Jesus. They hear the things that Jesus is saying, some of his teaching. It, it, it kind of intrigues them, but they're not moved by it in any way. And so this cordial type relationship, maybe if Jesus needed something from them, they would be willing to oblige and, and maybe vice versa. And in fact, when we get to the part of our passage for this morning, that's pretty much where they are. You know, the disciples have been out. They're fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. They're back on the shore. They're beginning to tend to their nets. And Jesus walks along and he's got this crowd that's following him. And they're pressing in on Jesus. And Jesus is trying to figure out, how do I teach all of these people? And so here they are by the shore. Jesus sees these fishermen. He's got maybe this relationship with Peter. And he gets into Peter's boat. And he says, hey, would you put out a little bit? And so they put out into the water. And from that distance, Jesus is able to teach the people. Now, What happens after Jesus teaches and preaches? The crowd begins to disperse. But I want us to understand, it's what happens here that really changes things from just a simple knowledge about Jesus to this encounter with Jesus. So this is where we pick it up. In verse 1 of chapter 5, this is what it says. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, this is the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in from the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled the boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Would you pray with me? Lord, we would pray that your word that is living and active, that is sharper than any two-edged sword, would cut through everything this morning. Lord, maybe our own thoughts, our own feelings, the things that we are carrying with us, that, Lord, it would cut straight to the heart, that it would speak to us in a new way today. Lord, would you open our eyes afresh, our ears afresh, and our hearts afresh, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, there's really three things that I want us to be able to draw out from this passage this morning. Now look at the big idea of what are you willing to leave behind in order to follow Jesus in this call to fish. And the first thing that we need to understand is this. Disciples are called to follow even if it doesn't make any sense. We are called to follow even if it doesn't make any sense. You know, you and I often make excuses for why we don't follow. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what I would say. I don't have the gifts. I, I don't have the tools. What's the biggest one? I'm just so busy. You and I have a lot of competition out there for our time. We spend our time at work thinking about home. We think about home when we're at work. You and I are running our kids to their extracurricular activities, and while we're there, we're on the phones, we're planning the next thing, we've got the next business deal. Whatever it is, you and I understand that we live very busy lives. And it's not to say that the busyness of life is a bad thing, but so often what ends up happening is that busyness keeps us from following Jesus wholeheartedly. It keeps us from pursuing God's best. And in the end, saying I'm too busy really isn't a good excuse. God has a habit of calling the people that we think or that you think would be too busy. Moses was busy watching his flocks at Horeb. Gideon was busy threshing wheat by the wine press. Saul was busy searching for his father's lost donkeys. David was busy carrying his father's sheep. Elijah was busy plowing with a yoke of oxen. Nehemiah was busy bearing the king's cup. Amos was busy following after the flock. And today, in what we read in verses 4 to 5, Peter, James, Andrew, John, they're busy. 
They've been working all night. They've been out trying to catch fish. They're frustrated. They're burned out. They haven't caught anything. And so when Jesus comes along and says, hey, why don't you put out your nets in deep water? You can imagine them thinking to themselves, um, Jesus, we're the experts here. Like, we've been doing this our entire lives. You don't fish in the heat of the day, and you don't throw out your nets in deep water. Jesus, we are the ones who know what we're doing. And later on, when Jesus says that they're going to be fishing after people, you can imagine them saying, like, well, why would you want to use somebody like us? We're simply fishermen. I'm sinners. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have all of the talents. I'm not respected enough. I'm just a simple fisherman. Here's what we need to understand. God doesn't look at your ability. He looks at your availability. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. If God places a call on your life, and he has to share your faith with others, what we need to understand is that the excuses don't really add up. God is going to give you and equip you with exactly what you need in order to share your faith. Now, maybe you're a little bit scared. Maybe you feel like you're ignorant of the Bible. Maybe you feel like you're ill-equipped. Maybe it doesn't make any sense why you're like, God, why would you want to use somebody like me? Because my life right now feels pretty messed up. But here's the good news. Jesus used simple fishermen. And if, if he can use simple fishermen to share the good news of the gospel, he can use any single one of us to share our faith with others. You know, it doesn't make any sense why Jesus would want them. Right? They're not educated. They're not well-respected in the community. They're, they're simple men. You would have thought that Jesus would have wanted natural-born leaders people who knew the scriptures, people who were studied. I mean, think about if you were going to start a movement, who are the kind of people that you would want around you? You'd be like, I want the best businessmen. I want the highest rated, the best educated, all of these people. It doesn't make any sense why Jesus would use fishermen. And yet, you and I are here. Because Jesus chose the weak things of the world to shame the wise. In fact, Paul says this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, listen to what it says. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Beloved people, what are the excuses 
that you and I use that keep us from this call to follow and fish? What is it that God may be calling you to do that doesn't make any sense to you, but that makes perfect sense to God? Like the disciples, perhaps we need to be willing to leave things behind in order to follow in this call to fish. Second, disciples are are, are called to follow even if there's a cost. We're called to follow even if if there's a cost. I don't know about you, if uh, if I were Peter, James, and John, and Jesus said, I want you to come and follow me, I might ask what the salary structure is. Right? I might ask if there's a benefits package. Like, how many weeks of vacation am I going to get? Uh, Is there going to be a retirement plan for me? I mean, think about when you are called into something, you and I, we, we weigh the costs, right? We come up with flip charts. We try to figure out, is this something that's going to make sense? I might have asked Jesus, well, what are the accommodations? Like, where, you want me to follow you, where are we going? And what are the accommodations when, when we get there? You know, it's amazing. It, it, it says they don't ask any of those questions. They simply follow and go where Jesus calls. See, it makes me think again, what am I willing to give up the costs of things in order to follow Jesus? See, deep down, I think we really want our relationship with Jesus Christ to grow, but we're afraid to let go of the things that we hold on to so tightly. Because those things that we hold on to, those are the things that have control over us. And they're the things that keep us from stepping out into what God ultimately has for us. But we have to be willing to hold on to those things loosely to be able to say, Lord, what is it that you want to use in my life, through my life? How can I be used by you? You know, I think back, and you've heard our story before, and I don't want to dive into that too much, but I think about when, when we graduated from seminary and we told God where we would and wouldn't work. We said, God, we will not go to Iowa. We will not go to Michigan. We're not going to the West Coast. We're not going to the East Coast. Now, why do we do those kind of things? Because it's like, this is my safe. This is my familiar. I'm familiar with the Midwest. I'm familiar with the Chicago area. This is what I know. This is where my family is. This is where my source of safety is. And so we think about all of those things. And yet, to be able to say, Lord, I'm willing to leave all of that behind to go to some place out on the East Coast. I think if we had never stepped out in faith, we would have never been able to experience all of God's blessings for our family, what he wanted to do in us and through us. You've heard the story of saying one day preaching, like what if God called us to start a church somewhere and the next day getting a phone call saying, hey, would you guys be willing to plant a church in Florida? And then saying, Lord, what is it that you're trying to do and seeing a sign in the sky? All of this, though, what we have to understand is to be willing to say, God, am I willing to leave a safe and secure church, people that we know, it's all our children know, it's where our family has grown, and now to be able to pick up and to move somewhere where there's no, there's no source of security, there's no money, there's nothing to be able to say, God, yes, 
But here's the thing. By being willing to step out and to say, I'm not going to worry about the costs, that's when you and I get to experience the most amount of God's blessings in our lives. I mean, even to say, let's move to Warsaw, right? Again, it's a new area. It's something new for our family. The safety, the secure, all of those things. So often we weigh the costs, right? As I've said, we, we think about this idea of flip charts. And we say, you know what, what's the pros and the cons list? Now, maybe that's not the way you're wired. Maybe for some of you, you love the adventure. Like you, you're always looking for the next thing, the new thing, you know, whatever it's going to be. But here's what I'm guessing. For most of us, that's not the way we are. For many of us, it takes an encounter with Jesus. And that encounter with Jesus moves us. This is what happened with Peter. It took an encounter. You know, when, when, G, when Peter puts down his nets in the deep water, and the nets are so filled with fish that they've got to call the other boat, and, and together the boats are beginning to sink because there's so much fish. Look at what he says in verses 8 to 9. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. You know, in that moment, Peter knew that he was in the presence of God. He, he understood that there was something about this Jesus that was completely different than anything he had experienced before. And he was willing to leave everything behind in order to follow Jesus. I ask you again, what are you willing to leave behind in this call to follow and to fish? Now, it could be some small things. Maybe you have to give up a bowling league or a softball league. You know, maybe it's something simple that you have to part ways with. Maybe it's that extracurricular activity that you're involved in, or maybe the extracurricular activity that your kids are involved with, and you spend all of your time focused on them, running them to where they need to be. Maybe you have to say no to a job or something at work because you're saying, you know what, I need to pursue God in a relationship, maybe with worship, maybe in, in a small group. Maybe it's a sinful addiction that you have to be willing to give up because it's keeping you from being able to experience all that God has for you. It could be something financial, you know, that car, the house, the TV, whatever it is that you've been saving up for. Maybe it's that thing that you love to have control over. But ultimately, it's something that has control over you. So often in that choice to follow Jesus, it costs something. But I can safely say that in every area that I have surrendered to Jesus, that's when I have experienced the most amount of God's blessings. And that's when I know that I'm in the center of God's will. That's when Jesus does something incredible. And so we have to be willing to say, Lord, whatever the costs, I'm willing to go. And then third, disciples are called to follow wherever God leads. Wherever God leads. 
Notice what it says in verses 10 to 11. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. They left everything behind. I mean, let that sink in for just a minute. Their, their job, you know, their, their family life, their, their, their security. I mean, they could have said that they were unqualified. They could have said, hey, you know what? We would rather be fishing. They could have said, we don't want to leave our dad's business behind. How can we do this to, to our father? But they were willing to leave everything behind in order to follow Jesus. What about you? I mean, what are you willing to leave behind in this pursuit of following Jesus? Could you imagine, by the way, what our world would look like if we chose to live that way? I mean, would there be any part of the world that would have yet to hear the gospel? You know, churches, you know, they would be filled I mean, people's lives would be changed and transformed. I mean, poverty would cease. You could see the inner cities being places of beauty and, and of joy and of, and of peace. Governments could be run with honesty and integrity and honor. But in order for that to happen, we've got to be able to say, Lord, what, are you, what, do, what do I am willing to leave behind in order to follow after you, to be completely dependent on Jesus? And to say, I'm willing to go wherever it is that you lead. But here's the thing. If you want to go wherever God calls you, you have to be in close proximity to Jesus. All right? it, this is all about being in proximity to Jesus. And this is what I want us to understand about our story. The story begins with Peter knowing about Jesus. Jesus. He could probably name facts and figures. He could know a little bit about where Jesus was, his ministry, his life, but it took an encounter with Jesus to where he was in close proximity to Jesus, to where he didn't just know about Jesus, he knew Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you want to live a life that is on mission, it is all about being in close proximity to Jesus. You can't just have the head knowledge. You've got to have the heart knowledge. It's got to be about Jesus because you can't give what you don't have. And so this is about us saying, Jesus, I want to be in close proximity to you. I don't, I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you and when you and I know Jesus, that's when it begins to release us to live as he would have us live. I love what someone has said. Evangelism occurs when Christians are so ignited by their contact with Christ that it in turn sets their hearts on fire. It's easy to determine when something is aflame it ignites other material. Any fire that does not spread will eventually go out. A church or a Christian without evangelism is a contradiction in terms, just as a fire that does not burn is a contradiction.
The point is that if Christ is in you, Christ should come from you. Now, throughout the rest of the series, what we're going to be talking about is how do we do that to give us some tangible ways that we can begin to share our faith, that we can be a people of mission and on mission. But the question this morning is this, what is one small step of obedience that you can take? In this pursuit of saying, you know, you've got to leave everything behind in order to go and follow Jesus. Start small. What's one small step of obedience? Maybe that one small step of obedience is moving from simply knowing about Jesus to actually knowing Jesus. It's recognizing your brokenness, your sinfulness, and saying, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Perhaps for others of you, that one small step of obedience is stepping across the room and having a conversation with someone that maybe you wouldn't want to. It might be hard. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be a gospel conversation. It's just having a conversation with maybe a friend or a neighbor or a coworker. And then when God opens up the opportunity to share, then maybe you get the opportunity to share. For others of you, maybe it's to get back up again. You feel like you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you fail. And maybe for you it's to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to get back up again and I'm going to share my faith again. Maybe that one small step of obedience is to begin to pray for your circle of influence, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, the people that are around you. Ultimately, the question for us this week is, what is it going to take to be in close proximity to Jesus so that you and I can be a people who go and who fish?